Hi, I'm Sanford Green, uh, co-creator of the Image series Bitter Roots, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> What is this? What's today? I lose track of days. It's Monday. It's Monday. It's Monday. Wow, what the hell is going on? The, the days all blend together. Like, I know. Really I mean, I it could be it could be Florida Day. I don't know. It just March 30th. One day until the end of the longest year ever. One day until the end of the first quarter of the longest year ever. It's craziness. See, we know things. Yeah, gosh. Should be all good now. Nice. I don't want to miss a syllable of your. Uh, oh my no, that's right. It's true. <laughs> it's a strange episode already. Good God. <laughs> it's a Monday. This is what happens. Yes, this is a bonus episode anyway. So they're not. Well, they are. <laughs> they are. Hey everybody, just stop. It's eleven o'clock comics, episode six hundred and sixty-three. And I'm Vince B. Oh, you are a silly, silly Vince B, and I am David A. Price. You are even sillier than he is, but of course, I'm the silliest because I'm Keenan Ivory Wayans. Oh, why are you Keenan? Why not? Just for? Any yeah. reason? Nah. I like Keenan a lot. Just free thinking. I just cleared my head and his name yeah. came into Keenan makes me laugh. Yep. I mean, I, really love, does. I love Damon stand-up, but, but Keenan... Keenan's just one talented individual. Yeah, he's like he's a young sixty-one dude. That's insane. Wow, it's really insane. Get out of here! Isn't that crazy? He does yeah, not look his age. Thing. No way. Did, well, black don't crack. We established that already. This is true. Neither does Sicilian though. Robert Townsend mm-hmm. is sixty-three. Oh, he's great in the Who. <laughs> <laughs> and this episode has been brought to you by. Our wonderful patrons. Yes. Yeah. If you want to see what this whole Patreon thing is about, shimmy on over to patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics and all will be displayed for your edification. Oh, and uh, while we're talking about the patrons, um, because I cannot rely on the Patreon website, no matter how often I check, if you are a patron and you are not an inner circle member and you change your tier to inner circle, please let me know because let us know, hit us up through the messages on the Patreon site because, um, I, it doesn't tell us. And whenever I go to check, I'll check on my own. But, um, like I said, we don't know when you make the change. So give us a heads up so we can, get the inner circle goodies flowing to you a lot quicker. Yeah. Yes. The Patreon yes. website is powered by the same source as the professor's coconut radio. So <laughs> when things go down, they have to scare up a bunch of coconuts and find the professor to get, you know, him to fix it. It works, but it is it is castaway power. So keep that in mind. Mhm. How are we doing? You know, not too bad and I mean I think there's a constant sense of anxiety right now for probably everybody, but uh, today's a pretty good day, like relatively speaking. 
I, I'm feeling a hell of a lot better than I was 12 hours ago. That's good. Yeah. I feel the same as I did yesterday. You are a man of consistency when it comes to your emotional spectrum. It's very true. Yep. I just woke well, as the day went on, as the day started early, I, I it just had excruciating pain as it went on. But um, that has pretty much subsided. And now that I'm talking with my booze, I, um, I, uh, yeah, it's, it's a complete 180 than it was earlier. Yeah. Well, one thing good that's coming out of this uh, seclusion is that I am pretty much done with social media. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of am too. I'm pretty done. Um, I'll, I'll check Twitter just to see if like maybe Daniel Warren Johnson put a picture up or like uh, an artist friend is working on something, but you can't scroll very far without seeing a trend in current events that incenses me. So I don't want to deal with it. Mm. And, and the same with Facebook, like um, because you choose who to follow on Facebook, they're more inclined to be, on your side of the road in terms of current developments. Mm -hmm. But then you have the, the the people that are allowed to reply to said posts. And then I, I'm just not dealing with it. I, do, I, I, I would like to think, and I know I'm probably in the wrong here, I would like to think there's not as many ignorant assholes in the world as social media lends me to believe that there are. Huh. No, there are. There are. Yeah, I have to say it's interesting. I, I've, I've. It's so funny because I'm, I'm on the total other side of this trade in the sense that I, I find Twitter to be almost, if not completely intolerable because of this. I think because of what you're saying that all opinions are are, are widely disseminated on Twitter and retweeted, and people seem compelled on Twitter to retweet things they don't agree with to complain about it. And like that, like you said, since I follow people presumably that I'm more aligned with, I can't help but still see all these things that incense me because they feel compelled to share them to like rally people to be incensed by them. Right. And like, I'd rather not see them because I know that they're already there and maddening. Whereas for me, Facebook, and maybe it's because I know you at least for a while were much more prone to just friend anybody. I, my Facebook group is so highly curated to people that are genuinely friends and family that I found it incredibly my love for Facebook has has reblossomed over this because getting staying in touch with people, seeing positive stories, seeing stories about people getting help or chipping in. Like I've definitely felt um like this is Facebook at its best. Uh and also they've been great at tearing down posts that have misinformation and are incendiary. Um like they'll just they just they're nuking things left and right, which I love. Um, so for me, I've found real comfort in Facebook through this, but pretty much go on Twitter once a day to check my replies and, and that sort of stuff. But, uh, yeah. And Instagram has been great because Instagram is just fun pictures. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's always a haven. Yeah. If I want to see attractive women, I go to Facebook or uh, Instagram. Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. But I could do that just looking at my girls. Not in the same way, but you know what I mean. So, yay. 
What are we going to talk about this episode? Oh, we need to give a big shout out to our, 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 our homie Gil. We do, because he made my weekend more entertaining than I thought it was going to be. So I appreciate that. Yeah, Thank Gil's always always a, a good man, but he or uh, Gil Cologne making these uh, this quarantine in, in infinitely more tolerable. Yeah. Yep. Speaking so of of which, um, I think it was a uh, a tip from Gil that got me to watch Picard. Did you uh, finish it, Dap? I did. Okay. Jason, did you finish um, it? Yes. Oh. Nice. 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 Um, did you not hate the last two episodes? I'll let Jason answer first. I mean, hate? I, no, I didn't hate them. I didn't hate it. But but keep in mind, as with anything, when we discuss between the three of us, that we all have such different... Um, we have such different scales and what things are grail to us and what aren't. Right. Yeah. So for me, I, as I said, I, I loved uh, next generation. It's the only star Trek series I watched religiously and never missed an episode. Um, but I don't hold it in the canon of my soul. Like I would star Wars or right. Marvel. So I'm pretty fine with, them doing whatever they need to do like it i don't it'd be it would take a it would take a lot for me to be angry or upset i think by something they chose to do hmm. okay why did you hate it vince i disliked nine immensely because of the introduction of the golem number one and i thought okay they're either going to use the golem to pluck Data's consciousness out and stick it in the golem. We're going to get Data back. Awesome. Or they're going to put Picard's consciousness in the golem. And I said, if they do the latter, I'm done. I'm finished. Because, and not only that, but episode nine with that stupid device where whatever you think can happen can happen. It's the ultimate Deus Ex Machina. Here, have this little Literally. have this little tool. Doesn't matter who's using it. You don't have to be trained in it because it's just this amazing little device that what you think can happen, point it at something, it'll happen. Is that not the biggest piece of storytelling bullshit that was ever created? I'm I'm not mad at this, but I'm thinking, all right, they had me for eight episodes. I was really enjoying it. I thought, man, if Picard goes out. I knew the season would, I knew Picard would be renewed. They said, what, an episode five or six around there that they're going to do another season. I said, okay, it could be a feint to make us think that another season's coming or maybe a season two without Picard showing the ramifications of Picard with his crew. I thought, great. All right. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Nine with the, those two things, the golem and that friggin' tool. And then episode 10. When he dies, spoilers if you haven't seen this, where Picard dies and they put his consciousness in the golem. I'm said I'm done, I'm finished. It is the weakest storytelling device, and it's so typical Star Trek though. No, no, I won't say that. It's typical Deep Space Nine where they do no. that. They do not Deep Space Nine. Stop. Next Generation where they where they do that 
that tally ho, Jordy just comes up with a, a something to fix yeah, things. Level six diagnostic. Or or yeah. will will Wheaton? Oh, look what you did! You made this ultimate device that it's going to save everybody. That kills me when they do that. It's so weak. It's not. If you're going to write your characters into a corner. At least come in, I'm up with a solution, creative solution to get them out of it. Not, oh, Picard died. We're going to put his body in a synthetic or his consciousness in it. It's stupid. It's weak and it's lazy. That's not good storytelling. That's just like, whatever. This is, that's what gives science fiction shows a bad name when they do shit like that. I didn't take it personally. I just thought, wow, the first episode looked like a movie. It was beautiful and cinematic and mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. And then the storyline was intriguing. And then we had Riker and Troy come back. Wow, this is great. Oh, my God. And Data was there in spirit and in in uh, Creator, right? This is wonderful. Here's a device that can do anything. You dicks. If, <laughs> if, they, if they did it in reverse, if they started the season out with – us finding out about uh, for all intents and purposes the brain tumor and he died and they put his consciousness in a body and now because we know this uh, he can still die Mm. and then we had the whole season where you know there's there there are threats and and there's there's drama and tension and and concern because he may not make it out of something I, I was not after the first eight episodes, which were fantastic, and then to have a nine. I mean, there were actual. I, I, no lie, there were moments during the first eighty percent of the season where things were said or done, conversations were had, expressions were glances. We're exchanged where I I got a lump in my throat. I I heard things and it just it instantly brought me back and and it made me remember what I adore about this franchise. I mean, for for Picard to yell to Soji, you know, trust me as as they're leaving the Borg cube early on, and 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 his 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 plea when he says and he yells that to her and and because it's he he needs her to it. That was that was that hit me and then mm-hmm. and then we had th- and then you know he 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 goes back and he sees he sees will and deanna and and the conversations they have there and it it just you know it 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 tugged and it did it what it was intended to do and and i love them for it and then it 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 definitely it, it definitely didn't end as strong as it started when when they're able to you know i mean there were things that were logical, like when they all when when Picard had his his way of doing things, and and Rios wanted to do it his way, and then finally Soji's like, "I'm piling this." You know, Picard's like, "Listen, we've tried it every other way. Let's do it her way, and we'll get through where we got to go." And I'm like, "Okay." So I mean, things things it was a logical progression on 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 people's character arcs, and I I had no problem with it, and then. Go through the wormhole, and of course, they're followed. And I, I just, I, I was hoping, I was just hoping it would have ended as strong, if not stronger, than it began. And and it didn't. I, I you know, yeah, it's it's nice and neat for for the future. They, um, you know, instead of dragging out 
uh, any any the beef with the Romulans for another season. They 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 you know that that chapters and they they were able to tell a complete story in in that regard. And um, and there was you know we 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 saw things with with Seven of Nine and, and I enjoyed how they brought characters back and and let them graduate from from where we last saw them but i i was it it ended in in typical next generation fashion where everything had a neat little bow at the end and and yeah the way the way i mean when you when when you know when Riker shows up and he's telling the Romulan captain it's like listen i'll i'm gonna escort your fucking ass back to the board and it's like i mean like you know yeah we're we're you know we're we have edge and it they they pulled back a bit they they didn't they they just they took the easy way out in instead of in, instead of going for broke and actions have consequences and and people die and we have to move on yeah we we we, we didn't get that and and i'm not, you know listen it, it, it's fine I'm, I'm glad you know we'll have another season we'll see where things go I'm not going to lie. I, I, I'm going to watch the next season. I'm, I'm, you know, I. But when I look at these these ten episodes uh, or nine, since it looked like the last one was a two hour thing, I, then I'll I'll remember the first eight and love them. And and um, I just I I wish it ended the way it began. Why can't we ever let the hero die? Because then they can't have a second season. Exactly. Because it's yeah. it's America. Yeah, because I agree with everything you guys are saying. I, I guess I just didn't. I was far more interested in hearing Depp's view of it though than what I would have offered up. Um, I mean, you're right, Vince. It's obviously a Deus Ex. Well, it's it's an unapologetic Deus Ex Machina, right? right. Yeah. Like, um, but. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I guess I just didn't have any strong belief in how it, how it should have ended. So, just especially when you when you look at the two seasons, the two seasons of Discovery. Um, yeah, the second one had to put things in place for Pike commanding the Enterprise and making sure the rest of that timeline that we're familiar with played out. But as far as the crew of the Discovery and um the whole thing with the mirror universe and the 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 effects that the the tardigrade and i mean just where they ended up at the end of the second season and and what the next season's going to to give us it's like their discovery isn't afraid to take chances to lose cast members along the way to tell the story they should have made this a one-season deal. If, yes. If Picard was going to die in service of his beliefs, they should have let him die. Because yeah. everything that happened from episode nine back to number one was all for naught. It was all... A- it did seem like throughout the show that he was on... He was trying to tidy up loose ends. Yeah. yeah. He's saying, he's like saying he goodbye. On, yeah, it was... Yeah. Right. And then... Oh, so now he could take... Heavy phaser fire, lose a, lose multiple limbs, and he's not going to die. Although I find it really funny that a synthetic could bite the the bullet, and by just having a scissors st- stuffed in her eye, like 
you killed a synthetic by just sticking a pair of scissors and or whatever that the the uh the pin or whatever it was in the eye really how why if you were create if you were creating an artificial human would you make would you give it the same chinks in the well, armor that a regular human being has it doesn't make any sense he's he's no i don't i don't know if I, I yes they're they're obviously stronger than than an average human but i mean there's still the 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 idea is as far as i always thought was was yes to i mean obviously data and lore and before they weren't going to be able to pass off as as human but you you you're, you're trying to create life create synthetic life like why why would you why would you not use the blueprint that that's already there and and yeah i mean okay fine so that's stupid so why wouldn't you safeguard it then because right. you also want them to experience feelings and and i would think life and death and and you know make the if because if, if you think if you if you're immortal if you, if you can live forever just you know if, if whether you lose half your head or whatever then that's i don't i don't think that's what 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 soon was was aiming for he wasn't he wasn't looking to create some omnipotent immortal being but if you are going to create a synthetic being that you hope will feel everything that a human being can feel right yet it's artificial why bother why not perfect humanity why not direct all that knowledge into into curing diseases and making the the human more resilient and more resistant to disease and 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 the ravages well, of time have, i mean it, it's, yeah but then I mean, they're making they don't have headaches they don't have a common cold anymore they, but the, they, right they, but so what's the point of the synthet- synthetic life what's the real point you're making humans there's already humans out there if you're going to give them all the but if the, you can't what if what if you're fertile what if what if or sterile what if you what well then you don't parent. have kids I mean, it, right so so but it's Idle, idle hands. I mean, you just—if someone wants to try to do something, then you know, the, no one's going to stop them. And obviously, yes, the, the, the Romulans thought this was a bad idea, and um, you know, this sucks for them. But I just—I yes, because if, if you're a parent, you want to do anything you can to protect your child, make sure they stay safe, and, and you would do anything so that they would never get hurt or feel pain. And, and you know, yes, there's experiencing things like that is a way of life, but I, yeah, I, I, I don't really have an argument as for why would you leave them so susceptible to, to being injured the same way a human would, except that I, I, I guess... He just wants to create something out of nothing and and still have them experience yeah, life I, as a I guess I just have a whole problem with synthetic life. Like, if they could take Picard's consciousness and digitize it and put it into a synthetic being, why couldn't they take the consciousness of that one that got killed with the thing through the eye and just put it in a new body? Oh. Your, your body's busted. We'll get you a new one. It's like changing a suit. Like, I don't understand. Well, it's like altered carbon. That's the premise of altered carbon. It's it's, it's, a, it's a sticky wicket, but whatever. Um, yeah, I, I enjoy. I'm done. I'm done with it. <laughs> I love you so much. Yeah. I, I just say it's just silly. It's, it's, 
There, there's the it's a weak payoff when you had this man who knew he was dying went embarked on this this grand adventure for a cause he believed in and he succeeds and dies oh we're gonna bring it back because we have another season to 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 do no no that's weak Mm-mm. whatever and there you go there's the end cap to picard no well it's not the last word by any means I mean, you know, it's only one opinion. No, I'm saying it. Yeah. They heard our three opinions. It's all good. Let's talk about comics. Let's do it. What do you want to talk about? Oh, I think the world is our oyster. We could talk about anything. What did you enjoy? Uh, well, I um I've been waiting for a moment to do this. Um, uh-oh. No, 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 that's good. <laughs> no, it's, relax. This isn't, a, this isn't an easement thing, Jesus. Oh. <laughs> no, no, no. When I hear paper um, rustling, I get a little nervous. <clears throat> no, 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 no. No, no paper rustling. Um, no, I, I, two of my favorite image series of all time wrapped up uh, at the end of last year, as you know, uh, Black Science and East of West. And I haven't really discussed either on the show in a long, long time. Um. So I thought I'd spend a few minutes um, giving my propers to East of West because it will absolutely, for me, go down as one of my favorite series of all time. Uh, Right up there, since we've been doing the show with, I would say, Scalped in terms of modern comics that I just hold so very dear. Um, And I think it was an incredible achievement. And also one that is very much, I think, was released in a suboptimal form for its for for itself, meaning that uh, it was forty five issues, and it uh, lasted for seven years. So, you know, do the math, but that's that's not a lot of issues per year, and it was lumpy. There were the, the last year was pretty pretty came out pretty regularly, but I think seven issues over the last twelve months, but. There were times when it was much less regular. Um, and I think because of the complexity of the narrative, lots of characters all with very intricate um, relationships to one another. Uh, and it's, it is at its heart, it's, a, it's a, a political intrigue book. So I think that trying to read it and remember it uh, if you read it monthly or issue by issue was likely doing the work and yourself a huge disservice. And I can already hear Vince saying, well, then they, sh- they shouldn't put it out in issues. And I agree. I think, I think this book will be, this work will be far better received and remembered by people who pick it up um, subsequently and read it in its collected form. Um, I reread the whole thing in, uh, this month. And I think reading it all together is exponentially more enjoyable Um, because it's just like a show like Game of Thrones where, you know, there were such big pauses between seasons. Sometimes it was hard to pick back up the narrative unless you rewatched or got caught back up or binged. And I think the same was true here. Um, But but format aside, because what's done is done and now the whole thing is out into the ether and you can read it all in one sitting. Um, I think that like a lot of long running series or TV shows or, uh, any kind of, um, 
serialized work of fiction, there's always the risk that they don't stick the landing. And on a personal level, I would say more things for me over my life than not have not stuck the landing. Um, and that could say as much about me as a consumer of fiction as it does the works. But that's just generally speaking, I'd say there's been more disappointing finales of these kinds of things than than things I thought were awesome. And again, speaking for me, I think Hickman and Dragata absolutely crushed the landing. I think the final few issues wrapped up everything in both surprising ways, but ultimately when you sit back and reflect on it, it made a ton of sense. And that's a hard thing to do. It didn't end the way I think a lot of people expected it to based on the path. And yet, now that I'm looking back on it as a, as a whole narrative, it makes all the sense in the world. And I give him a lot of credit for that. Um, just for those that didn't read it or don't remember much about it, it's it, it's essentially a story of the coming of the apocalypse. Um, set in a future where, well, an alter, it's an alternate, it's an alternate Earth where the United States is divvied up into uh, a number of different nation states, and basically everything. It was like our Earth until the Civil War, and then something happened during the Civil War, which changed the course of history. Uh, and now we fast forward, and this is a future version of that Earth, where um, it's it's sci-fi. I mean, there are flying ships and laser weapons and, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, but it's also, at the same time, um, a story about political intrigue. Uh, very analogous, as I said, to Game of Thrones, in that everybody is angling against everybody. There are deep-seated, long-running alliances, deep-seated, long-running feuds. There are um, there are uh, indiscretions and grudges within these alliances and feuds that, that, that need a, a day of reckoning. Uh, and it's you can just picture the you can picture the, uh, the the like the Venn diagram or the or the the the, the infograph on Hickman's wall somewhere trying to connect all these things together. Um, and then it's also a western, so it's very much a genre bending thing, right? It's a futuristic th- world where everything is set with a western motif. So um, at its heart is a character death, as in like the Four Horsemen death. And he's an all-white um, gunslinger. And at some point prior to the book, he gave birth, uh, he fell in love with um, effectively the, 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 would-be, the would-be empress of, of, of what is now China, the PRA. Um, at the time, she was like the princess. He falls in love with her, and they have a kid. So uh, Death is one of the horsemen of the apocalypse. So he's a, a, a mystic being, if you will, or, a, you know, he's, a, he's not human. So this, this baby essentially is carted off um, and uh, is believed to be the great beast, uh, the, the, the one who will bring about the apocalypse. And so they, they sequester him, the, uh, the, the powers that be sequester him from infancy in this essentially giant building that's a giant data farm. And they just raise him there artificially trying to educate him on the message, which is this, um, this quasi religious apocrypha of, 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 uh, almost like Nostradamus like, uh, predictions. And these predictions can be interpreted in different ways. They're not, they're, uh, they're apocrypha. It's not, it's not completely linear or clear. And so there are the chosen and the chosen are 
um, a number of highly powerful people that are higher ups in their respective nation states who also believe in the message. And so behind the scenes for much of their lives, they get together to help um, make sure that the message which leads to the end of days happens. So they, they have both. So they're serving both their own personal interests. They're serving their nation state interests. And at the same time, they're getting together to try and make sure the apocalypse happens. Um, and it's fascinating stuff. And, and I think the thing that Hickman does really well in this book and, and massive credit to Dracada because he creates the character's imagery is, is creating these really distinctive characters um, so that you're not just looking at a bunch of talking heads. Each of these people is an icon, uh, both visually and, uh, and, and stylistically. So, um, you know, again, it's impossible to summarize what happens over 45 issues in seven years other than to say that um, – the nation states all eventually come to a point where they have to uh, pick sides in a, in a great war. And uh, at the same point, there are people who are very much uh, against the message and there are people very much for the message. Um, and then there's this issue of death having been essentially, he, he turned his back on the other horsemen um, in order to fall in love with, with, uh, with Jalin and, and have their baby who becomes Babylon. And so the horsemen spend most of the book with a huge ax to grind there. They're decide, trying to decide as the end of days approach, whether like what, what, how, how they can find death and, and have their comeuppance with him. And also whether or not they should believe in Babylon, the kid as the great beast and worship him or should they kill him? Um, because it's been made clear that this is a cycle. Um, the, 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 in the last cycle, uh, death when he betrayed them killed the other three horsemen, and in the first or second issue of the series, the horsemen are reborn. Right? They 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 in kind of the cycle starts again, and uh, yeah. So what's awesome is we go through all these all these different narratives where you have you have all of these different um, premises. You have the premise of of the, the 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 horsemen and whether or not Babylon is going to end up being a great beast. You have the political intrigue of all the different nation states and who are really allies and who aren't. Uh, you have the power brokers of each nation state and, and trying to vie for control. Uh, and it sounds very complicated in this, but ultimately, if you just sit down and read it, it's incredibly compelling and it all makes sense. It all fits together perfectly at the end, like a completed jigsaw puzzle. And that is freaking super duper hard to do. Perfect example, what you just talked about with Picard, right? Things can often go really well for a long time. And then at some point, they kind of go off the rails because they lose sight of the, of the of themselves or they have to dig themselves out of a corner. There are no deus ex machinas in this. Everything that happens, you're just there, there's finality for most of the characters, I'll put it that way. And at every moment of that finality, it just feels like it makes perfect sense based on what you've come to know of the character. Like not only in what happens to them, but who does who 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 gets them in the end. Uh, and it just it was just pure joy and while I'm talking a lot about the structure and the narrative, uh Nick Dragata is an art beast, and it's funny because Dragata's, I think, my age. I think he's in his mid-40s, uh, and he's been around for a minute. But as we all know, he spent a lot of his early career, by his own admission, essentially being a bit of an all-red clone, you know? I mean, that, that in fact, he often did backup work in all-red books and stuff. Um, and then he started to evolve with his own style a bit when he was Marvel-exclusive, doing Fantastic Four and Future Foundation and the like. But this book is where he fully embraced 
what I think now will be his art style forever. And it's incredibly uh, manga-esque. He is an unabashed, rabid fan of manga. In fact, I think he reads... And in, he reads probably more manga than Vince, which is saying a lot, but like a lot of manga. And he doesn't really read American comics, as I understand it much at all in the last bunch of years. And you really see that. Uh, and even so much, by the way, that at uh, this year, at least assuming things go according to plan with what's happening in the world. But but he at the back of uh, the final issue of East of West, uh, there is an advertisement for his new book where he writes and draws it. And it's like the the, the cover imagery is. Like 100% manga. If, if you looked at it, you just assume it was like from Viz, uh, the way it's drawn. So he's going even more in that direction for his own book. Um, but I just loved every minute of it. I mean, I love Westerns. You know, I love political intrigue. So, And I love apocalyptic stories, generally speaking. So this was like the perfect amalgamation for me of three very different types of stories. Uh, your mileage may vary if you're not into those particularly types of story tropes or meshing them all together. I can see this not being your thing at all. Uh, but for me, it was just perfect. It was perfect comics. It was because there's, you couldn't do this as a TV show. You couldn't do it as a movie. There's no other medium where this could have been done this way. So uh, this is when I think comics are at their best, when they can give us these multi-year long, you know, gigantic visual experiences that just there's no other way that we could ever see something like that come to life. And so uh huge tip of my cap to uh, Hickman and Dragata and Martin, their colorist uh, on an exemplary work that, uh, that uh, should be, should be on everybody's to-do list at some point in your reading. If you haven't been into it now, pick up the hardcovers, pick up the trades, however you want to do it, wait for it to come out digitally. I'm sure it'll, be some sale you can get it super cheap but whatever you need to do take some time and then sit down and read it and read you know read it in one or two sittings don't don't like piecemeal it because i think that would do it a disservice so i know you guys both tried it i don't think either of you stuck around for long though i stuck around for two trades okay was it the delay or the subject or what do you remember why you didn't vibe with it no political drama no, I saw it was gaining traction and becoming popular, and I figured, well, they're going to release this in upscale hardcover edition, so I'll just cut my losses now and get the mm, the sure. library editions later. You just didn't know it would take any, another eight years? I didn't know it was going to take that long, right? Yeah. And when, when I said, when you said that I would say, well, they should release it in, in, in trades, yeah, that's the knee-jerk romantic in me that thinks that these things should be released, you know, in bulk. But the realist is like, they have to eat, right? Dragada's got to eat. Yeah, yeah. So it, we get it in this form because there are bills to be paid. Um, it would be nice if we got them in nice, you know, 100-plus page collections. But even with manga, you're waiting sometimes 10 years for a series to finish. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And it, it yeah. was kind of prescient of you to... Uh, Drop the the M word, the manga word, because I read some manga for this episode. Nice. And you also dropped the V word, viz. Oh, perfect. Before you go there, though, Dap, remind me, did you read any of this? I read, yeah, I um, I, I didn't finish it yet. It's the delay, oh, been kind of what? Yeah, no, I I um, I've I'm up to. Oh no, I won't be able to tell you what issue. Um, but because uh, we were, I was, I was binging through when we last had Nick on. And uh, so I wanted to try to get as current as I could. Um, but no, it is, it, it's something I want to finish. And, and knowing that it, it, um, 
that they did stick the landing. I mean, it, it, it based on, I mean, I'd like to say that for about anything, but I mean, based on how it started and, and the pedigree of the creators involved, it, it, I would have been really surprised if it didn't end strong. And, um, and it's just, it's just one of those things that where I know that, yeah, like you said, sit down and read it in, in as few, there's little spacing as you can. So I, I do want to, I, I'm going to read it. Um, it's, it's on the to-do list, but, um, yeah, I, it, it's my, my stopping was, was only, was partly the delay and, and partly everything else vying for my time. Totally. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Does image publish Marvel style Omnibu or do they do like 15? They do the oversized stuff. It, it's it no i mean not really be, it's just it's just whatever the creators want to do okay. well what did because because uh, walking dead and invincible both came out in like yeah walking dead has covers, the right yeah walking dead has the um well walking dead has like every they, they have the yeah they have it all they have the the big honking oversized hardcovers they have the they have the omnibus much like savage dragon which are just the black and white yeah. the yeah. big i think they call them compendiums but um, yeah, the Walking Dead compendiums. So they have every version for Walking Dead, but again, that's probably its own thing, right? I don't like. I'm just thinking. I don't. I can't think of any of the of the Image series that I hold most dear. I don't recall any kind of singular. Well, uh, I guess Fear Agent Omnibus would be the closest thing, right? Yeah. So yeah, that's a true Marvel style omnibus. And there's was two that of other Image or Dark Horse. Uh, I guess it was. It ended on Dark Horse or did it end at Image? It did not it end at Image. Oh no, it was Image. It was Image because no, no, no. It's just back the, to Image. Yeah, because no, because they had an issue with Dark Horse. Remember, and that's why the Omnibus didn't come out for a while. Oh, Correct. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's it's by Image the Omnibus, but I think it's it was a Dark Horse. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have it sitting here. So yeah, I can't ping pong. Tell you, but yeah. Cool. I'll pick it up one of these days. How many issues? Sixty. Forty-five. Oh, that's not bad at all. Not at all. Boom. No, no, not at all. Yep. Cool. Now, what was this about Viz? Uh, the Viz word is mentioned in in what I'm going to talk about. Uh, this I read this as instigated by our good friend Jay Tomio, who was on the Slack and had uh, made a post that he was enjoying this, and I'm like, damn, I saw that cover before. And uh, I remembered that it was uh, the series in question was chosen by the editors of Viz's Pulp Anthology. Remember, they used to publish a black and white, thick, thick ass avant-garde manga anthology called Pulp. Well, the editors of that selected this series for their manga hell list of controversial manga. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's where I encountered this before i've never read it obviously uh written and illustrated by hidei arai hope i pronounced that correctly it's called the world is mine and i read the first volume it's rough it's hard it's brutal and dark and violent and disturbing and it does fit the bill if you're looking for something very controversial uh in which to read what is it about? Wow. It's a 
It's a minestrone, actually. Um, it it begins with these these two ne'er do wells, um, a, a big, gold, hulking, handsome, dark haired uh, man named Mon, who has very, very little disregard for human life, and um, his companion Toshi. Um, Mon is savage. He's brutal. He 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 murders. He rapes. Um, the, the 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 book opens. They're going down the highway in a car, and you see squeak 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 squeak. And the back of the car is loaded with fire extinguishers. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? And Mon is in the back, and he's holding down a woman, and he's pounding on her like, um, yeah. And Toshi's driving, and uh, Mon frequently beats Toshi. Just because you know it's his little diminutive sidekick um and and he's he's done with the woman right and opens the door on the highway and just flings her out he's done with her so he flings her he discards her like uh like a, a used tissue and he's there hanging with his junk hanging out and she's flying through the air and her her hoo-ha is on display for all to see you know and um this series progresses. It turns out, or the book, this is only volume one. It turns out Toshi is a uh, computer enthusiast and bomb maker. <laughs> and he likes to leave um, fire extinguisher. So say we all fire extinguisher bombs in in various locations throughout uh, Japan, and he doesn't care who gets blown up by him. Uh, there's a scene in it where uh, they're walking down the street and Mon just punches this middle-aged woman in the face and takes her somewhere and starts raping her. And Toshi is dressed in a dark black girl's wig. For all intents and purposes, he looks like a, a Japanese girl. And he's taking pictures. And he's like, you don't tell anybody or we're going we're gonna to start disseminating these pictures. Like, these are not nice guys. Huh. And uh, I get the feeling or the impression that uh, Toshi has affections for Mon. But Mon is just, he's, he's brutal. I mean, um, there's, there's a scene early in the book where uh, Mon grabs Toshi by the throat and he holds him up and he's squeezing his neck and he's telling him, don't die, don't you die. And... As Toshi inches towards death, he receives a vision. And he, he has this semi-frequent communication with this girl on a message board named Maria. It's it's very strange. The whole thing is strange, but um and there's a there's a dark relationship between these two. Um and he he remembers something that Maria told him on the message board, and she said, When the sign appears in the sky, you will encounter great power. Uh, and then he sees Mon slamming away at a fuel truck with a pick. What? Like, how stupid can you be? A, 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 an iron pick, he's banging at the, the the side of a fuel truck, and he pierces the fuel truck, and all the, the stuff is leaking out, and down the road comes a biker gang, and flames, and but it, it was a it was a near-death-induced vision, I guess. Um, but they're pulled over by an undercover cop. And Mon gets out of the car, and the cop comes up to him, and Mon pulls out a knife and stabs the cop in the chest. 
just kills him just flat out kills the cop he drags the body to the, the back to the patrol car and there was an officer uh sitting in there and the officer tries to get his gun and mom pushes his arm down and the gun goes off into the seat they eventually tie up the officer and toshi gets a bomb and puts a bomb behind the back of the officer in the driver's seat so when somebody comes to open the door kablooey and they put the the deceased body of the cop that he initially stabbed underneath the car so they drive away they go on their, their merry way and then they show later on in the book um semi overweight cop comes he goes oh he goes to open the door and boom like the 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 officer dies the guy that came to the door dies the passerby dies like they just kill people wantonly in this thing complete disregard for human life right but it gets it gets even weirder if that can be uh imagined mon is really afraid of dogs big guy afraid of dogs okay we all have our 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 fears right our foibles um and there's this goofy sequence where mon is attacked by a dog attacked in quotes the dog what didn't really bite him it just came up to him you know was was in the process of going after him um so toshi kicks the dog savagely kicks the dog the dog's on its side right mon jumps into a fountain to get away and the dog's owner comes up to them and she's got this really weird speech pattern. Like, remember, this is in Japan. This is a Japanese girl, right? Her speech pattern, she's got a, a, a lisp mixed with a Brooklyn accent by way of a Scottish brogue. Like, it's strange. It doesn't make any sense to me. And take it into account that this book is not available domestically. I had to read a fan translation of it. Mm. So that, I mean, but those guys know what they're doing. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm assuming that the inflection and the the vocal uh, affectations are in the original work. Jay could tell me for certain, but um so she's got this real weird speech, speech pattern and she scolds them and and she's really drawn to Mon, right? Um she takes the the two home and tries to integrate them with their family like they're sitting there eating dinner and mon freaks out and he licks her face and the parents freak out and it turns out this young lady is the very same maria with which toshi is communicating on the internet right but that's not it that's not all there's a giant bear (laughs) the book opens with um these guys on a fishing boat and they see this massive wave coming coming at them, and it's a freaking giant bear, and it takes a chunk out of the side of the boat, and they get back to the 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 mainland, and and they tell their tale, right? But there's also reports of a meteorite crash earlier, and uh, witnesses report that after the meteorite crash, and obviously set foot to the 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 forest. Through the flames, they saw this giant eight-meter bear exiting the flames. And like, okay, so people get killed savagely by this bear. Like this, this one uh, grandma goes into the woods to gather mushrooms, and the bear just totally rips her apart. Like her eye is down by her cheek. Her face looks like like um, 
string cheese all ripped up and there's blood everywhere parts of her over here parts are over there it's beautifully illustrated though by the way um and then the the, the girl's the grandma's granddaughter looks for and she gets obliterated by the bear so people are going crazy and they call the bear Higumadon. and supposedly judging by the the hair samples they found at the scenes it's a brown eurasian bear and there are no brown eurasian bears in japan they have brown bears but they don't have eurasian bears right and people are going nuts they're like what the hell is going on and uh sealing the deal for dap to never ever read this the uh, the um you, you're, you've already done that but go ahead yeah the the last chapter is on a schoolyard and there's animal cruelty involved mm. okay with a cat and mm. um this giant shadow comes over the, the the fence of the schoolyard and this this little portly kids there and you see there's a cliffhanger because you don't know what happens. There's a giant black shadow with uh, points, uh, seemingly to to uh, that it's the uh, the bear's claws, right? But um, there's there's little bits of dialogue throughout the whole thing and little incidents that maybe hint that the bear's appearance is an act of God and maybe a warning that man's doing nasty stuff to the environment and not treating nature the way it should be and it isn't really sitting well with the supreme being um and then there's there's rape and mutilation and and ex murder and explosions and by these two guys so it, it doesn't it, it is the first volume of 14 so i have absolutely no idea where it's going what's going to happen uh, it's it's just the merest taste of the story. I think it was um, 170 some pages, uh, but it does not look like your typical Shonen Jump manga. It was uh, serialized in Young Sunday, and as I said to Jay, I said, "Man, this looks like it would appear in in Garo. I mean, this looks avant-garde. The drawing style is rough, and uh, the the the." Uh, Human anatomy is very fluid. I mean, and it's very stylized, and it looks like some of the scenes were carved in. That's how rough this thing is. Mm -hmm. And if you want to see images from it, blah, 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 go to the website, 11oClockComics.com. They're in the gallery. But it is savage. Um, nudity, bloodshed, like, it is not, it's not for the kiddies. Uh, oh, clearly. Not, yeah, you're not going to shelve it next to Dragon Ball <laughs> Z. Uh, but it is, I mean, I thought it was. My Hero Academia. Or that. I thought it was great uh, because there's a, like I said, there's a very palpable darkness through this thing. Plus, mm -hmm. you get a giant kaiju in the bear. I don't know how the two roads are going to intersect. I don't know. Even if they do, right? Whatever. It's just, it's mesmerizing in its savagery, I think. So I got to tip my hat to Jay for... Uh, Greasing the wheels on this, it was, uh, again, The World is Mine, Volume 1, written and illustrated by Hidei Arai. And nice. uh, if ever it gets published domestically, I don't know, but it is unfortunately not. So if you want to read it, mm -hmm. just do a little bit of Googling and you'll find it quick. Uh, remind me, I know you've read a little bit of it, but you, you didn't go all in with Attack on Titan, right? No, I kind of bored with it. Like after maybe about seven or eight volumes, I just kind of got 
Oh, so you did read Deathrite Volume Seven? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's a pittance when it comes to manga. Yeah. No, because I just think like obviously it's manga about kaiju, right? So I figured. Yeah. I mean, like distorted, grotesque kaiju. Right? Yeah, I got a little bit of a video game vibe out of it that oh. I, I didn't really like, like uh, the the quest to bring down these titans and protect the the city. It just became, uh, I don't know. I, I like the art. Mm-hmm. It's, there was something about it that just didn't really click with mm-hmm. me, and the fact that it became popular was maybe another deterring factor. I was going to say, yeah, in, right. Yeah. <laughs> in, in, how good could it be? People are enjoying it's like this when your thing. Favorite indie band gets signed by major label. Right. Right. <laughs> It only worked Sister once, Rebel. and that's with Sonic Youth. They were still good after they got signed. But yeah, right. I liked it. I liked it a lot. And I got yeah, a little I mean, bit of... Uh, I have to see it, because I, mm. I never know like what to make. Obviously, it's some pretty extreme stuff, like you were saying. So, like, It's not clear. Is it is it extreme for the sake of being extreme, or is there a point to it all? Um... Oh, there's definitely a point. There's a lot of thought that went mm-hmm. into it because um, Toshi, or not Toshi, Mon likes to pontificate uh, infrequently, but he does lapse into these, um, I have absolute power over life and death, and we either choose to kill or not to kill, and that's the way it should be. Uh, you know, murderers aren't just decide to become murderers because they can. And it's, it's a lot of it's bullshit, but, uh, and I, I think he thinks himself more of a, um, an intellectual than he really is. Like he's just doing it to justify his, 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 uh, bloodthirst. Right. But, um, it, it seems the author has put, or has at least planted nuggets that may, it, with this first volume may pan out to be something along, you know, the way I don't know. But it it's not just it is just violence and bloodshed, but there seems to be more thought than just the the average, you know, image comic from the nineties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good stuff. Like you said, if it ever comes to uh to us in an English version, remind me. Ah, I don't know. Maybe. Um it, what with the bomb uh, angle, I think maybe not. Mm, yeah, right. I mean, because people tolerate rape, but bombers, nah, not so much. Yeah, it's true. It's very true. Yeah, but like I said, you could read the whole thing for free. It's all been translated. Mm-hmm. And that's not stealing, because it's not available on the. It's not. <laughs> it's not. It's not available on this side of the the water, so you can read it. <sighs> The the uh, publishers go after these translators um, for works that are available domestically, and they leave the ones that aren't alone. Mm-hmm. So if the companies that that you know license this stuff are that, even if it's if it's in the translation stages and has not been printed yet, they will contact the scanlators and say, "Yo, we own the rights to this now. We're going to publish it. Get this off," and they do. And the ones that aren't are left there for people to read. So, I mean, I think there is a um, a legal loophole that, you know, you're really not stealing. Uh, yes, you could buy the original Japanese editions, but this thing was published in 1997. So chances of getting the OG volumes are not all that great. At least you'd have to work for it. And nobody, right. you know, 
It's a gray area. <laughs> it is. Do you have a gray area comic to talk about that? Um, maybe gray. Um, it's not new. And it is actually um, something I picked up at um, Vince's behest, nudging, cajoling, uh, at a New York Comic Con, probably not last year, the year before. Oh. Um, and this is a 13-issue series, hmm. cover dated October 1988 to September 1989. So it's not new. It's in DC's new format, which at the time cost started off costing a whopping dollar twenty-five and uh, ended at a buck fifty when the 13th issue came out. Um, it is written by Michael Fleischer and penciled by Vince Garano. They are the co-creators. Uh, inks in a couple of the first issues uh, are by Kyle Baker. Then Jose Marzon Jr. Uh, does the bulk of the run with a um, with an issue by um, John Beatty. And this is a little series that DC put out called Haywire. Mm-hmm. In their new format, this is pre-Vertigo. I don't even think this would have fit under the Vertigo banner, unlike Screamer that I talked about last year, which I believe was eventually collected and, and republished as as a um, as a Vertigo title. But this was um, there was this there was um, there were a couple of complete sets that uh, I don't I think they were all from the same vendor, and I don't I don't have the other one. I think it was the end of the world or something like that, Vince. But it was it was it was another DC kind of. Uh, high-end format book, um, six or eight issues, but and, and that I have on tap to read very soon. But this, I, it, listen, I've, I, I, I think I told you guys on the Slack when you asked if people, if we relaxed over the weekend, and since I'm going to be in my room in this office uh, for five days out of the week, I want to organize it a bit, put books on shelves, get rid of some of these boxes. Um, go through these stacks and, and sort DCBS orders and, and just put things away and, and um, redeem some codes, things like that. So I'm trying to organize and I, I, I came across the pile from New York Comic Con and, um, and, and I read these 13 issues because I didn't read them when they originally came out. I remember the house ads and, um, and this, is, this, is, this is its own thing. It's a standalone series. It's it's a DC title, but it's not necessarily set in the DC universe. It's set for the most part in New York. Um, but there's no, there's no Batman. There's no Superman. There's no indication that, that there's a greater mega ultra super powered universe out there. Um, and it's, it's not a very straightforward story. It's, it's, uh, it, it doesn't hold you by the hand and and drag you along connecting all the dots. Um, you 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 kind of have to do some thinking for yourself. I'm not you're not making things up or, or filling in things that happen in between panels, but um, you may end up going back a page because you 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 missed something that was obviously there. You just overlooked it in in because of 
everything else that was going on in, in these characters' lives. And um, but I think Fleischer does does a does a good job of telling this story. Um, what's interesting is on the cover, and for pretty much every issue except for the first, Vince Gairano's name is spelled one way except for the credits in the first issue mm-hmm. it's misspelled as um g-e-r-r-a-n-o but it's actually g-i-a-r-r-a-n-o um, that's embarrassing yeah and and you would think that um uh john costanza would would know better but what i like and i it, it's yes when kyle baker inks you it you, you definitely are inked by Kyle Baker, just like when 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 Klaus Jensen inks you, because uh, you can look back at previous Web of Spider-Man issues that Mark Silvestri penciled and Kyle Baker inked him, and it does not look like the Mark Silvestri that worked on Wolverine that ended up giving us Cyber Force, um, and 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 that's fine. So Kyle over Vince is is um, it's it's scratchy, it's gritty, but but it fits for this story. Marzon's a little bit softer, uh, shows a little bit more of a curve. But what I love is that you actually see Girano's style. Um, you, you see him grow as an artist. And apparently, he he um, I think he did a couple of issues of um, it may have been the Shadow before this series, but um, this wasn't his his first book. But you you actually do see him grow over the year uh as an artist gets a little bit more sure of his line and um things aren't as 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 loose and um and characters tend to to fill out a little more guys look a little bit more attractive women definitely look a little bit more attractive as the series go on but it's this is one story that isn't and and fitting since it's not so straightforward but we start off with seeing uh, almost like a mob style hit in a barbershop of all places. Um, a young boy is, is playing around in the barbershop. His father's getting, getting a shave guys run in, blow everybody away. Um, graze the kid in the head, um, kill the guy, getting the shave, kill the barber, kill the, um, the manicurist. And, um, we cut to 15 years later and Steve Majorski is having a nightmare thinking about his father dying at the barbershop. And Steve is trying to find out he's trying to kind of clear his dad because his father was about to testify uh, because there's evidence that he was kind of the head of, of, um, of a mob style gang and called the combine. And he was killed before he could be brought to trial. And, his son, Steve, is convinced that dad wasn't crooked. There's, there's absolutely no way that um, that dad would um, would be evil. And while we're getting Steve's take on things, we cut to Alex Kingman, who, again, because it's the first issue and, and, and you're getting a feel for, for Vince's style, especially with Kyle Baker's inks, um, it turns out that Alex looks exactly like Steve, although he's a little bit more, he's better dressed, um, better quaffed and, um, and is a, a, uh, 
owns a PR firm and, and he's very well to do. Whereas Steve is sleeping on a dirty mattress on the floor in an apartment, um, barely has any nickels to rub together. Uh, so they're opposite ends on the financial spectrum. And, uh, we're, we're kind of introduced to both of them in, in, in drips and drabs, but while we're trying to find out who these two guys are in smashes, this, big robotic behemoth that's dubbed haywire and no idea where haywire comes from or who he is um and then that's haywire is the connection and and we it's this series is is part mystery because you're trying to figure out who haywire is it's kind of it reminds me of wild dog when that when when that four issue series came out and and the, the whole mystery was who was wild dog and we were trying to figure out who who Haywire is and and how how is how is it that Steve and Alex um, end up being the same person, but they just they obviously exist at uh, one at night, one during the day. Um, it's just it's it's a little confusing in that aspect because they're not telling you, you know, this is during the day, this is at night. Alex disappears. We cut to Steve. Um, Alex is seeing a psychiatrist who is trying to um, find out more about him because there's very little known about Alex from his, you know, before he was a teenager. Like, you just don't know anything about him. Um, And he has no memory of being a teenager like he, he can never bring it up can never can never recall it and every time haywire shows up he is a very violent individual he he um he wrecks he de- destroys property um he he doesn't like if if he stops a mugging and he 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 maims and practically kills the mugger, and and the victim may get a broken leg during the altercation. He's not going to run the victim to the hospital to get you know. It's like oh well, and he'll just still he'll fly away, and and it's just like you know. So so he's not. He he realizes there's evil out there, and and, and he'll stop it. But you know if if there's some collateral damage. He's not, he's not going to run up a tree and, and save a kitten. It, it's so it's, he's, he's not exactly the kind of guy you're rooting for, but the way, and, and, and this is going to end up going to a patron. So I'm, I'm definitely not trying to spoil too much, but this was as, as the mystery starts to unfold and other characters are introduced. There's one character called night lash, which um, I think we were supposed to find out, who she is, and I'm pretty sure we did because of um, because of Fleischer's wordplay, but um, her identity was never actually revealed. We never saw her without her mask. Um, there's a uh, there's there's a, a ninja assassin uh, the White Lotus, and and she is she's after she's out to kill Haywire because Haywire killed uh, her black dragon brother there in a black dragon gang from from japan uh haywire killed her brother and she came to exact revenge and um because of alex working for the having a pr company 
she came to the country under um, under her alias, and, and she was going to use Alex Kingman to be his PR, be her PR firm. And she finds out that Alex is Haywire, and um, it's just the whole double identity and and the the fallout from their relationship and and when they each find out who the other is and and how they react to that because when haywire becomes haywire he he doesn't it's it's not like batman or spider-man where you know it's still the same guy whether wearing a mask or not haywire just becomes a completely different person because when he became haywire because as, as as the issues nothing is straightforward you don't you things are told in flashback and in piecemeal and when when steve was trying to clear his father's name he goes across country ends up in in, in california and he joins this this program that he um he infiltrates so he can you know get the proof he needs to show that you know his father isn't isn't a bad guy um because he thinks his father is dead also when he dons the haywire suit and the reason he's called haywire is because well he puts the suit on and he's going through the test run and the technicians are like you know we got to put on a good show today because the boss is here and and you know so we can't we can't foul this up we got to do got to do right and so steve in the suit looks up and sees from the the skybox it's his dad and he loses his shit and he goes haywire and that's what someone says hey he's going haywire so that's the name that ends up sticking and but he represses it he 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 escapes the facility heads back to new york um makes his way back to new york has no idea how but he completely forgets that he saw his dad and when and he the haywire suit teleports to him he doesn't it's not like it he's not tony stark with a briefcase he it, it just it materializes and and um so it's not like shazam where one dude goes away it, the, the suit does cover him but it it we find out where it's actually stored in the last issue on the last couple of pages but um this was this was a crazy freaking read and and it, it wasn't like it's not like anything dc was putting out at the time i I, there was so much about these thirteen issues that that I enjoyed the the story itself, which is fucking batshit. But the I I so enjoyed looking at the old the old ads in these issues, looking at the old DC checklist for each week, um, the, the the Johnny DC pages, the the publishorials by Jeanette. I mean, there was just I I it's been a long time since I read an actual issue cover to cover from inside to to back inside back cover. I, I, I had a lot of fun with, so this is also me thanking Vince for, for making me buy this at New York comic con. And I, I vaguely remember you telling me that I'd enjoy this, but because I hadn't read it, I don't know why you wanted me to read this. Because it's crazy. I mean, it's Michael It's Michael Fleischer, you know, and a very unique voice in in uh, comics storytelling. Um, 
Jonah Hex, this, uh, yes. his, his escapades with the lawsuit with the Comics Journal, and, and it attracted to me because it was so off-kilter and strange. And I think Garano uh, looks nothing like a mainstream artist. He doesn't. And on this, I was like, wow, this is the strangest thing I've seen come out of DC in a long time. Um, I think it would fit in really good with Marvel's Shadowline stuff. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. I think it's it's that same left field, um, not role model heroes, but sure. okay. just yeah. Yeah. Uh, fallible, everyday Joes who don't save every grandma and you know he he picks and chooses who he feels worthy of of uh being involved with i think it was a neat series and it's brutal it's violent it is brutal yeah they they don't um they don't skimp on the language um they uh there's no flat-out nudity but there are sexual situations um but yeah, it, it's definitely as it says on the title on the cover, uh, suggested for mature readers, and and it is. It's, um, but yeah, it's it was. Um, it it's was de- definitely an anomaly for DC. It is. It is. Yeah. It's it's you know it reminds me of like the old Electric Warriors or or um, um, it was um, no, it was Electric Warrior actually, but yeah, there were there were um, like Thriller stuff like that. I'd, yeah, um, I mean, I didn't read it at the time, but I, I kept thinking about Sonic Disruptors. Yeah, which um, never finished. So, but but there was, um, especially Haywire's suit, and when I get towards the end of the series, um, I it reminded me, uh, especially with some of the way the characters were were, were portrayed, of um, Afife and and cobra it it just it, oh yeah it, yeah he could be he could be wire here I, yeah, yeah. I, see the, I see the fifa for sure yeah yeah hard um, wire could be wire easy yeah you know i'm not saying the suit is exactly the same but in right. theory like in practice yeah the two are interchangeable the, yeah um but no it was it's it it's nuts and um and yeah i'm i'm totally Glad I read it, um, and I, I enjoyed going down memory lane with, with with some of the coming attractions for and and the house ads, and it was it was crazy. It was a lot of fun. I um, kind of sorry it, it took me so long to read it, but um, you know, I I uh, I just I didn't know what to expect. I really didn't, and and you know, it's not like there's and and they they mention this in in the letters pages throughout the um, throughout the series where you know it's like they don't there, there's no this was a series that Fleischer was hoping would make the reader think, provoke, and 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 give them pause because you know there's there's not a lot of meanwhile and there isn't you know across town. There's just this is where, where they didn't even really Garano didn't even really play with with the panel layouts where you know it, it there were longer if there were longer gaps between panels was to to let you know that it was a change of time or a change of scenery. It was just it it, it was all. This is how it was laid out on the page, and you could follow along. And 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 based on how conversations are taking place, then you're going to know you're in a different place who the characters are. I mean, thankfully, Alex wears his hair in a ponytail. Steve's is more um, metalhead look. It, it it's it definitely lets you know the characters are are behaving um, 
differently. But yeah, no, I um, it was and and as as, as their worlds start to collide and 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 then there's a third personality aside from Haywire that these two um share who who we were we intru- were introduced to at the end of one of the issues and then uh two issues later thanks to his inner monologue we find out who this personality is and and that he was able to because he is a thief and a cat burglar he's he was able to get Alex um through college and afford that and and let him become the um the PR king that he is and uh whereas Steve is the wimp and and the one we don't care about and who's more expendable and and you know cuz the the one who's the burglar is the one who thought you know I I take after dad more than the other two and it was just it was it was weird yeah and as I'm reading it I'm like this is the same dude that that wrote hex I'm like this is this is crazy and I love it I I really 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 enjoyed it Nice. The big difference between you and I, that book will never leave my boxes. See now, now, now I never. Uh, no, nah, it's just it's it's it's, it's it's too. You know, I, I I say that because I just finished it. And I don't know when I'll get back to revisiting it. But right, but maybe maybe I will. One. I mean, you, if you, you want you, to revisit you, it, you can go buy it in a, at a con rent. One. I mean, cons ever come back? It has never been. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It it has never wow, been collected, okay, never. Right? It, yeah. I it know. hasn't been scanned. Oh, yes. okay. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. So I mean, not that I'm up on that, but no. well, yeah, you know, I'm just noticing like, because when I do searches for images to put into the uh, gallery, you can tell which books by the amount of returns I get on my Google search. You could tell which books have been scanned. Uh, hard haywire has not been scanned. There's barely any covers out there. In, mm-hmm. That being said, you can get every copy on my comic shop for two bucks or less. Yeah, right. well, of course, but it's a. I think it's a very good series. I wouldn't part with it. But whatever, you're. Hey, uh, hey no, you it's your life, you, my friend. You you told me I was with you. It, it's a con memory, also. So I'll I'm keeping it. I'm fifty. Double bag it. Two two books Ooh, per bag. I there you go. Easy. You buy five hundred bags. When you double bag them, it works for a thousand books. <laughs> what was it? Was it the ends of the earth? What the hell was it? Is it? it it's the it's the um world without end. John, that's it. Yes, yes. by Higgins. Yes, yes. I have that um, library bound. I well, that I bought it at the same con. The same. I don't know if it was the same booth, but that's I bought it at the same time. So there's I'll, a freaky I'll, book I'll, we should I'll, all read. Then I'll, I, I'll, I have it here. It's right here. I'll, I'll, I'll pull it out and we'll, I, I'll finish lupus and then I'll, I'll jump on that. Yeah. You don't want it. You don't want the lupus. Um, DC was much more willing to take chances back then than, than Marvel. Yes. Extremely, yes. uh, willing to just, yeah, why the hell not? Electric Warrior, mm-hmm. run with it. You know, uh, Marvel would, um, I mean, Silverblade. Really, DC gave that a, a green light. I mean, it's it doesn't it's not horrible, but it wasn't exactly burning down the newsstands, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Nathaniel Dusk. They would try anything. Uh, Marvel was a lot more close to the vest. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the the ads in here for the the Deadshot miniseries, which I loved when that was coming out, those four issues. Um, I mean, the 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 executive team in, at DC when this was published was Jeanette Kahn as president and publisher, Dick Giordano, vice president and executive editor, Richard Brunning was art director, uh, Terry Cunningham, uh, Bob Rizakis was production director, Paul Levitz, executive VP, Joe Orlando, vice president, creative director. Um, you know, they weren't, that, that was, you know, that, that's like when you look back at, at certain Saturday night live eras, there are just, there, there are some, some, t- there are certain people involved that, that just solidify, uh, just, it, it, it evokes something and, and reminds you of how much fun you had or, or what they were able to do, what they were able to accomplish. And, um, and this is this is right when you were able to um, call in and decide the fate of Batman's sidekick. It was the Sean McManus Doctor Fate series. Uh, it was Plastic Man by Foglio and and Hillary. Um, there was just there was there was crazy shit going on at DC at this time. This is when Invasion was happening or right about to start. Yeah. Uh, um, Rob and. Far behind know. Marvel and sales, but at least they were trying stuff that was different. Well, it was also, I mean, this was, there was, there was an ad in here that you'll love because it was, um, it was to, uh, cause you got to meet the band that made music matter again. And it was unforgettable fire, the definitive biography of you too. And wow. you had, I mean, when, when this book was coming out is when you had the debut album of the bullet boys. Smooth up in you. <laughs> Come on, man. Van Halen Light. I'm there. <laughs> That's right. Produced by Ted Templeton featuring right. Smooth Up. Uh, I mean, yeah. I'm looking at the band. You got the one dude with the turtleneck. You got the one dude without the shirt, so he must be the drummer. You got a dude who looks like he's doing magic. And then you got the Ponderer. It, it's it's, it's, it's a hell of a lineup. They're Van Halen Light. Yeah. That's crazy. All right, everybody. Hey, not a problem, my friend. Hey, we, you know, we got, we got, we did ask our, our beloved. We did patrons for some questions well let them fly questions. there's a bunch so we're not going to get to but the, the good thing about questions is they keep so we'll uh we'll, we'll hit these questions up um there's no expiration at, date that's right exactly uh so i'm going to just jump in here with one that um probably better answered like after some research but what the hell let's go off the cuff uh caleb our homie uh said last year he read all of the Darwin Cook Parker books, 100 Bullets, Alias, and several other quote-unquote detective series. So his question to us is, what makes a compelling detective narrative work? And conversely, what diminishes the quality of a detective story? Side question, what are some of your favorite detective stories told in comic form? Wow, does it have to be detective? Can it be crime? I'm pretty sure he means detective because my mind went to a bunch of crime comics. I, 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 there's a million of them that I love a ton, but I, I think he's speaking specifically about the, the idea of what makes a good detective comic. Yeah. I don't normally side with the, the detective in noir. But you, I mean, you owned every Batman comic. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Batman. If, if I was going to go right straight off the cuff, I like Slam Bradley a lot. So I will go okay. with the Darwin Cook uh, combination of Catwoman and Slam Bradley in mm-hmm. um, Selena's Big Score. That's a good one. 
That is a good one. But like what but to his first point though, what do you think makes a good detective story or and what does like what makes a good one versus one that doesn't flow your book? Well you're asking I mean, essentially you're asking what makes good noir, right? Um flawed on borderline unlikable main characters or protagonists. Anti heroes. Yeah. Um guys that have something to prove are always enjoyable to read. Um guys that have lost uh something in their lives, like something that can get me on the ground floor in order to sympathize a bit with these characters. I don't have to like them, but at mm-hmm. least, you know, give me an encapsulation why these guys should matter to me or make me feel right. something. So, yeah, yeah you're getting it right. I, I was going to say that for me, the if I was going to say uh, ones that don't work as much as when the detective is merely just a vessel for unraveling the mystery. Like it's almost like they're just a narrator, right? And, that, and then uh, it's like I mean I'm, I love mysteries. Of I mean I just a, I, I, so I'm a fan of mysteries in general. But but then it's like okay I don't I mean it's not really a detective story. Then you're just you have a narrator telling me about this mystery. Um, right. So yeah, I agree. It's it's got to be there's got to be a point to the there's got to be a reason the detective that we're seeing in the book is is the one we're seeing. Yeah, not oh, just my, because they were hired to solve a crime. Since we're talking detective, it gives me a good opportunity to mention the book I'm currently reading, the prose book, the Vinyl Detective, the uh, second volume, the Runout Groove. The Vinyl Detective is a dude I can get behind because I'm, he's not perfect, like say Sherlock Holmes. He he's not on top of everything all the time. He's a collector and has a voluminous knowledge of music. And he's basically a, a, a trader of, of vinyl. He's a buyer and, and trader of vinyl. That's how he makes his living. But he's also a detective, right? And I think mm-hmm. Andrew Cartmel's books are great. And I wish someone would start making comics of, from them because mm-hmm. th- I don't normally like the detective per se. Like I said, I, I love crime books and I'm growing to love them even more. But when there's a, uh, like a, you know, a, the detective, let's just say. Again, it's a hard sell. Not so with Andrew Cartmel's books. They're just amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's a detective um, in, in uh, his, his likes and, and dislikes and uh, his obsessions. I can perfectly understand all of them, right? Yeah. So it's like I'm in the shoes of this guy who's trying to solve uh, uh disappear uh, the murder of a of a child or the disappearance of a someone you know and it's always filtered through music like the 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 linchpin of the story is a piece of music or a, a vinyl record and it leads him down a road where you know misdeeds have been committed but through that music the music was the gateway to to all these bad dealings and i, I mm-hmm. think that's a super it's a very, very smart, inventive approach. Before Dap answers, I have to say, now that I'm reading the question, I know he does emphasize the word detective a bunch of times, but he mentions the Darwin Cook Parker books, 100 Bullets, and Alias. And I would argue that only Alias of those three is really a true detective book. Yes. The other two are very much crime books, and two of my yes. favorite crime suit, like collectively, the, the Parker books and 100 Bullets would be on a, any shortlist for me of comics in general, much less uh, crime comics. But mm-hmm. I, so I'm thinking maybe he does mean more like mystery crime comics because, yeah, I don't, I mean, unless I'm misremembering, I don't really remember a detective being prominently featured in any of the Parker books. And certainly not in 100 Bullets. It's more of a conspiracy book. So, um, yeah. Yeah. For my money, Thunderdome, 
one book lives, one book dies. If you put the Parker books head to head with Criminal, Criminal's walking out. I love Darwin Cook, but I think Criminal's way better than than the Parker books. <sighs> hmm, that's this, interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think Criminal at its peak is better, but Parker benefits from just being like everyone was brilliant. Like I think part I think Criminal has lower lows and higher highs, but it's also because there's a lot more of it. But Criminal's all original. Par or yeah, Cook was just a and, translator, which which is where, not I mean, a. I mean, you know, yeah, a small feat. Okay, though. I, mean, I mean, he's still he's still translating great stories, but yeah, it's if if it was, I think I probably give the edge to Parker if Parker was an original creation. If it wasn't an adaptation, it would probably be very easily be Parker for me, just just on Darwin alone. But considering what what Ed and Sean are doing together and what they've given us so far. Um, and, yeah, and I, think, I think the originality aspect is what kind of takes it over for me. Right. Yeah, I mean, that is tough. I mean, a couple of books relative to books he said that come to mind. I mean, certainly Private Eye by BKV and Marcus Martin, uh, Powers by Bendis, uh, Torso by Bendis. I enjoyed quite a bit. And these are these are actual detective books. These are because I was thinking that's where he was going with it. Um, Stumptown. Now, yes. a, now a TV show. Where we're all waiting to find out if it gets renewed for a second season. I certainly hope it does. Um, one of my all, one of my top five books of the decade that when we talked about it was uh, my favorite thing is Monsters by Emil Ferris. Um, Gaiman and Albuquerque's A Study in Emerald. Love that. Um, I, you know, again, I guess if you're talking crime, I mean, I, that's where I get like I, if you're talking crime and things like. Uh, you know, Watchmen or League of Extraordinary Gentlemen would fit, but I, I don't know if they're really detective books per se. So yeah, if you're, and also if you're going with crime, Stray Bullets is way up at the top of the list. Definitely, yep, yep, definitely, yep. Uh, agree with that. Um, and other, and not just criminal. I mean, the Fade Out certainly. Hell yeah! Deserved. Oh God, um, yes. Um, trying to think what else. You know, I mean, Sherlock's probably my favorite detective in fiction, but I, I can't think of a, like a, other than a study in Emerald, I can't think of a Sherlock comic that I really, like, adore. And there hasn't been a, a whole lot of them. Oh, uh, Last Days of American Crime. Yeah. By uh, Tokini and Remender. I dug that a lot. Certainly there have been great Batman stories you'd have to include in that, right? Or The Question was certainly fitting. Yep. Oh, Gotham Central. That was, I loved Gotham Central, which was definitely a detective book. Um, Dap, your your boy fell. Your comic fell. Warren Ellis. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, I don't know. Would you count like Southern Bastards or Scalped? I mean, Scalped is very much a crime comic, um, and he is an undercover cop trying to. But I, I don't know if it's, I wouldn't. It's not a mystery per se, though. So don't know if that would count. So there's some. Yeah. It's there's still- a lot though. I mean, that, that's one. That's a great genre. I think that's a really. I mean, that is a fertile ground for comics. Crime, crime comics, certainly. It's fertile. Oh, I wish they were more... Po- I wish more people did them. Yeah. Can you yeah. imagine Daniel Warren Johnson doing a crime comic? Give him time. Oh, d- dude, you just reminded me, though. Matt Kinn has done phenomenal crime comics. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for reminding me. Um, <laughs> all right, here you go. What, here's another one. Um, 
and again, maybe maybe if your answer would be different if you had time to think on it, but you don't. It's from Chris. Um, what is the book you've always said, I'll read that one day when I finally have the time, but now that you have the time, you still can't seem to make yourself read it? Wow. <laughs> hmm. I don't have an answer for that. I mean, throw some out there. Maybe it'll it'll jog something. But um, hmm. I mean, for me, it have to be Sand. It have to be Sandman. Yeah, I own it all. I, I have no reason. Like, I'm not actively avoiding reading it. And obviously, it's among the things that are widely considered all time greats. It's probably at the top of the list of things I haven't read. Um, I have no reason to think when I do finally read it, I'm not going to love it because I don't know many people that don't love it, but just never seems to be the thing I sit down and just start diving into. Well, there's a presupposition to this where I have to be attracted in a, in a work to want to read it. And chances mm-hmm. are very good. If I am attracted to something, I would have read it already either you know as it was coming out or in collected form so i i don't have uh, okay i'll just say the black hammer stuff okay other than the justice league one and the first trade i haven't read much black hammer at all mhm i don't know why right how about you king um shoot i really it's it's weird. I, I struggling to come up with something right now, but I know like any other night we'd be recording. I know. I feel like you're always one like, of oh, us. I haven't read that. I right, mean, and I, I mean to. You know, it's right here. I mean, yeah, Sandman <laughs> is something that I still I've I've started. I've I've read the first couple of issues, but that's something I I want to read. Um, I uh, I'd like to finish Hellboy one of these days. That's another. That, well, yeah, I didn't count that because I've read a lot of Hellboy, but I haven't read it all. So yeah, right. Um. But yeah, I mean, there might be like some runs here and there of 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 older Marvel or DC work, but yeah, I it's um and also I mean because no, normally because I there are things Ooh, that I, I got one sorry go ahead. go go ahead no go ahead there, there are things that I mean there are even collections that I own that I still haven't cracked open yet and and so I mean for me to get through that and then think about other things that I still want to read I still need to get it's it's. I mean, these one. It, it, it's. It's not a question that should really put me on the spot, but it. At. It. It's, it, it kind of is. It, not deliberately or anything. I just. It's. I'm under the gun. I'm. I'm kind of drawing a blank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, it's off the cuff. So, All Star Squadron. Oh, I've never. I've read most of that. Yeah, I. I don't even out. have any of it. I. I. Oh, I, shit. I, I think I have the. Uh, the Millennium. Well, crossovers or something, but uh, no, no, it was done before then. Well, it, it crossed was, over it, it, it with something. Crisis. Oh, crisis! It was then. the last days of of the Justice Society of America. It was them versus Ragnarok, right? And that's the um, one. Those are the, the ones Spirit Destiny. Okay. Goddamn right, Spirit we'll, Destiny is friggin' everywhere. Everywhere. They should just blow it up. No comics company gets to use the Spirit Destiny ever again. Facts. Okay, one more from Jimmy Dick. Uh, what what character have you tried to read numerous times that you've never been able to get 
into or grab onto that other people tend to love. Uh, I have an easy one that comes right to mind is the goon. I just don't get it. Don't, yeah, don't, we get, tried that. don't get the appeal. Hmm. I can have a laundry list. Sure. Moon Knight, Dark Hawk. Uh, oh, God, Dark Hawk. Dark <laughs> two, Hawk I mean, two, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. I mean, Moon Knight, okay, but does Dark Hawk count as someone that other people tend to love? I mean, he's more of a joke. Okay. I, mean, I don't know. Oh, people... oh, oh, Mario's going to come after you. Mario likes Dar- Dark Hawk? <laughs> <laughs> that fascinates me. What? I know, I know. And he'll always tell you that Sleepwalker is Sandman done right because that's what the tagline was. Yeah. Well, okay. He's uh, also, yeah. The big one is even though I read it for a long time uh, mm-hmm. because of the creative teams, I never really liked Iron Man uh, as a character. Uh, Tony Stark is right. a character. I don't. I don't. Mm-hmm. Tony Stark. So, yeah. But did you and did you read any of the Rhodey stuff? Oh yeah, yeah. I read it because for I, decades. I, yeah, I I enjoyed I I enjoyed Iron Man like after one fifty. So after um after the the Michelini Ramita Layton stuff, and then um there was the Denny O'Neill Luke McDonald run, which is ties into to the roadie stuff. So it was after Demon in the Bottle and and Iron and Tony quits being Iron Man, um and then up until like issue two hundred when Mark Bright did the art and and Stain killed himself like there was there was a there was a a good couple of arcs that that i i read iron man um religiously consistently but yeah no it's he's which probably i mean i i I love robert downey jr but that's probably another that's why i always favored well definitely team cap in, in in civil war in in the movies but even in in the movies was, i always you know tony stark iron man was always was always trying to fix the mistakes he made himself because he thought he was the biggest dick in the room and and that was it it's you know we wouldn't be in this predicament if you didn't do this so he's fixing his and, right. and that's yes yeah, and that's that's always that that that's like any one percenter. <laughs> that's kind of how how he was in the comics. So I mean, it was it was very easy for, because based on his his the way he was in the comics, it was very easy for me to just continue to view right. Tony Stark as that in the movies. When, when you're two for me to oh sorry no I was just gonna say, when your heroics come from a suit, uh, <laughs> you know I don't care if it's Riri in the suit, Rhodey, Tony Stark, I I, I can't. It's very hard for me to root for you when you have this extremely high-powered exoskeleton on that allows you to do superhuman things, and you have Bruce Wayne out there who's just a dude, right? And he's better than you in every way, right? So I mean, That's, yeah, I I can I admire saying, but like, I like, but he also has to know how to use it. I mean, no, there, there's this yes, man in suit, but I'm not going to tell you you're wrong, but like. I find it funny that you bring up Batman because, like, Homeboy is like talk about. I mean, I I like Batman fine, but he's I mean he's the he's Mister Deus Ex Machina. Like, Bruce has whatever he needs in his little belt to solve any or in his bat cape shark. to solve. Yeah, anything. only if it's a bad writer. And don't say Frank Miller with the Kryptonite ring because I will reach through this <laughs> no, microphone. My, but again, like, so I guess it's like I guess it's, to my point is like I'm not. I, I mean, I understand what you're saying about Iron Man, but to me, it's like a lot of a lot of characters have that 
flaw. But you're and and way. that's that is uh, the way Vince just described it. That's how I view Kyle. It's like dude just lucked into the ring. There was no the ring always had to seek out the person who could wear it, which is why you know Hal just happened to be closer than Guy, and and that's why. Hal gets it, and, right. and so it 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 looks for the person who's able to use it, who's mm-hmm. got the willpower, who's got who, who's who's got the ability to to use it, and and Kyle didn't. Kyle lucked into it because he went to go take a leak in the alley behind a bar, and and it's like yeah. that's that's not it, how. With, see, I don't know why you poop on Kyle so much. It, it wasn't mm-hmm. so much how Kyle, how Kyle got the ring; it's what he did with it after it's, he got it. Sure, yeah, and you have sure. to presume that 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 the ring obviously knew that Kyle was worthy. No, because they gave him the ring. It was the ring didn't. I see mean, him well, but I, yeah. I give yes, and yes, and and so Ron Mars wrote the characters. Yes, so he ended up he he grew. He he had you know there was there was growth there, and and he had to you know he 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 wasn't he didn't think he deserved to be a hero. He didn't he didn't go out thinking he was entitled to anything. Right, right. He was he obviously knew he was in way over his head. He was surrounded by by other heroes that have been doing this for a long time. He knew he had big boots to fill, but. It 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 was just the way, it, it 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 was it was the turn that they took the franchise sure. and and it's, right. but it's you know it and 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 yes and because of Kyle and and I and I love I you know respect to Ron and Daryl and and the guys Kevin Dooley everybody who brought Kyle forward and the fans that love Kyle because that. They gave people a Green Lantern they could root for because Hal was old and he was he was the guy who was been around since the sixties and 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 he's he's stiff and he's mm-hmm. boring and I absolutely get it and and that's they needed it's the nineties they needed a new character they needed fresh blood they needed young blood so and this was a character because it was it was new and they were, they were all getting it on the ground floor and. They became Green Lantern fans, and I love them for it. You know, we're all Green Lantern fans now, but it's 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 just the way the way things went on the page. That's my issue with it. But you know, as, as far as what Kyle became, I mean, yeah, he the, the White Lantern with Tom and, and Omega Man. I mean, he's he's definitely graduated, and 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 he's right. like, and that's great. I, for my, I have three in DC really, which is. Um, the biggest being the Flash. It's not. It's not that I don't have any, like, an issue with the Flash in any of his incarnations. I just don't ever seem to. Never really had an interest in reading Flash standalone comics. Like I don't mind him when he's part of a team or part of an event, but yeah, just never really just doesn't do it for me as a character. Uh, and again, I've never given a lot of thought to it. Just doesn't gravitate. And then two of a similar vein. I mean, lesser characters, but still, I guess, big enough would be uh, Hawkman and uh, Firestorm. I just don't. Like other than when they appear in I love Justice League books, I, I just have no interest in exploring them more. I can't agree with either of those. No, well, again, but it's, it's not my other, right. It's not my right. question. The, the whole point is things that other people tend to like that you just can't get into. It's right. not. That's the whole nature of the question. So yeah. Well, I so mean, it'd be, it'd be the same thing if if Vince if Vince said you know he couldn't get into Adam X and then. Jason's like, well, then we just can't be friends anymore. So, 
Yeah. No, I mean, like you guys aren't into like I mean, neither of you are particularly big fans of Wolverine, right? Like he's like Salt Peter to you. That's I mean, yeah, that's definitely num- would be my Marvel number one. Yeah, so right. I mean, but for yeah. me, I, obviously, I read every Wolverine comic that right. I used to like, even when they suck. I used I especially the the Larry Hammond Marcel. Oh shit! Yeah. Until, yeah, that's that was my you know when before so he became fucking omnipotent yeah that was i i before really they put him in the I damn avengers that's and, the problem and before and and before you know origins i mean there was I, I i loved the mystery aspect of of wolverine and i i you know and mm. the brown and yellow it the, the the brown and mustard but it, it's it's the yeah what what they did once um once claremont left and and you had Fabian and and Lobdell writing the adventures and and the whole thing with the pulling the adamantium off. It just that was just I was that's when I tapped out. But then that probably wouldn't be the right answer for this question then for you because because at least you were into it for a while and like something. Yes. Oh yeah. No. Right. Yeah. No. I got one from DC. Mm -hmm. Adam. Really? Yeah. Never really cared other than Sword of the Adam, which was a totally different thing. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh. Regular old Adam stories? Nah. No. Yeah. So there you go. Thank you, uh, our, our our patron peoples, for those questions. There's a bunch more, and we'll we'll, we'll tackle them as a yeah, fun this. stuff. And uh, sure. while you mentioned the patrons, we would like to thank them for making this possible. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash eleven o'clock comics. If you want to check that out and see what the dealio is there, we welcome you um, in your travels. I'm going to continue the theme of wanton violence, violence for violence sake, teamed with a spectacular artist. This was a neat little hardcover published by Clover Press. Revisiting this material gave me a stunning realization that this writer-artist's approach to comics is very much like that of Rob Liefeld. I never put the two together in the past it's blindingly apparent to me now um the book is called kevin eastman's totally twisted tales and it is uh three of eastman's uh tag teams with simon bisley you get i think i ordered this yeah it was i did order this yeah it's a little i I think it's in the box right next to me because my box came today it's a little hardcover um I think it was fourteen ninety nine retail. It's like a hundred pages. It contains uh, "Very Angry Seven by Kevin Clover Press, right? Yeah, by Kevin Eastman, Eric Talbot, and Simon Bisley. With uh, you also get "Thumpin' Guts" by Kevin Eastman and Simon Bisley, with lettering and colors by Steve Levine and Mark Martin. And it rounds out with "Biz and Buzz" by Eastman and Bisley. And I'm reading this thing, and I'm like, damn, if Eastman doesn't do comics almost exactly like Rob Liefeld, uh, I'm just, I just want to talk about, because we've all, I think we've all read these, right, over, over time. Um, the one that I haven't read in a long time was The Very Angry Seven. Dap, do you remember this one? I probably do if I see it. It's, it's so weird. Uh, a Slovakian uh, immigrants settle in Brooklyn and they make a garden and the neighbor who owns an orphanage his last name is Bastich 
they hate the garden. They do everything in their in their power to literally shit on this garden. They send their dog over to crap in it and dig it up, and nothing can can destroy this garden. So he's like, "All right, screw this." He gets a a pot, a kettle, giant kettle, and he he puts all this toxic shit in it, um, weed killer. I would assume radioactive stuff because the stuff is green, and he he walks up to the top of the 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 building and he just pours all this toxic shit into the garden and the this this stuff um and this is kevin eastman so it's a variation on the mutagen ooze it mutates all of the denizens of the garden you got nuclear newt suicide shrew Battle snail. This is a snail with this giant <laughs> battle snail <laughs> with, with a giant rocket machine gun thing on its back. Rapid rat, which is the flash, but it's a rat. Uh, carnivorous, carnivorous canary, nefarious gnat. It's a gnat that flies all around with a chainsaw and monstrous mole. And Eastman, along the, 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 the course of the story, never really explains. How, while these characters, these little organisms could mutate, I can put my, suspend my disbelief long enough to, you know, come to terms with uh, a newt transforming into a curvaceous, extremely buxom, fighting, anthropomorphic woman type character. Okay, I, I, can, I can believe that. But where does all the technology come from? Like, Suicide Shrew. He makes explosives, and he's got all this this high tech gear on. Where did the snail's freaking back weaponry come? Like, did that come from the? It doesn't make sense at all. But it doesn't really matter. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, like Liefeld, none of the particulars really matter because this is just an excuse for Simon Bisley and Eric Talbot and Eastman to go in and draw these cool characters beating the shit out of each other mm-hmm. over a garden, right? And that's what Thumpin' Guts is about too. Thumpin' Guts is straight Bisley. Somewhere along the line, this character called Father imprisoned this really nasty dude in the earth, right? And they're drilling for natural resources and they release it. And because they released it and his his name is is not Metalhead. I think it's Metalhead. But anyway, these characters come up and they're called Vito. And Stab. And Stab has hands that are giant serrated spears. And Detonate. Detonate has huge hands. And you have a, a robot called Megadead. And it's a robot with bosoms. And it's typical Simon Bisley bosoms. Like the nipples could poke nice. your eye out, right? And it's just an excuse for Bisley to just go in and just tear the page up. <laughs> just characters beating the it's mental head, sorry. Just beating the crap out of each other. And it it's so silly. One thing Kevin Eastman really needs and has always needed was an editor. Because he his spelling, punctuation, his sentence structure, it this is the equivalent of a kid sitting in the back of history class, not paying attention, writing shit in his notebook like this will make a cool comic dude. That's what you get from Kevin Eastman. So I really think in the magic Eastman Laird formula, while Eastman's curb love of Kirby and the enthusiasm and the over the top power really played a part in the turtles, I think Peter Laird was the the uh 
the crucial ingredient to bring him down to earth and say, okay, let's approach this from a more, you know, let's be level-headed about this and a little bit artistic where we're just not going to go, yeah, metal dude, you know, it works. You needed both sides of the equation. But when you just have Kevin Eastman doing it with Simon Bisley, you're going to get pedal to the metal we don't care how this thing reads. We're just in it for the enjoyment of comics. And that's what you get in this entire book. It's just over-the-top, massive, muscled, monster action. You can't go wrong, really. And I love him for it. I love it. Yeah. You're going to enjoy it. I, I cannot wait. I cannot wait to revisit some and check out things I missed. Um because these were originally in, under Tundra, right? Since I that was Kevin's. I believe so. The one, the Biz and Buzz, I don't rem- I remember reading it, but I don't remember where. Like, it could have been in heavy metal. Uh, I, I don't know. It's a really strange structure to this thing. It's It's one row of panels, and they're vertical. So each page has anywhere from four to six break the the page up into thirds and picture a row of panels down the middle third and text on the left and right panels the the the, the far the most panels it's mm-hmm. really strange like i i know i've read this and i i probably own it somewhere in another form i'm thinking it may be heavy metal but I, I can't place it. But yeah, it's just more wanton destruction. One character, Biz will punch Buzz and his skeleton will fly out of his body and then puts it back in. It's like, okay, dude, let's watch TV. I'm like, <laughs> what? And this, he got Julie Strain. How did he get Julie Strain? That, that turtle's money, bro. I think so. I think so. But I still... Because it wasn't, hey, I published my own comic books. So yeah. Hey, money. you want me to show you my comic? <laughs> uh, I really have a soft spot for Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. Whatever they do, I will support. I just... Right. I love Eastman's art. I, I love Laird's art, too. It's yes. just something yeah. about these guys that they uh, evoke probably the best time in comics for me. I love it. Right. Yeah. Love it. Absolutely love it. Um, I'm going to continue the DC love, but um, be a bit of a 180 from the previous book. Uh, I also, while sorting and straightening, um, finished Superman Smashes the Clan, um, which was the three issue limited series by uh, Gene Luen Yang and uh, Guru Hiru on art. Uh, I believe the trade is coming out in May. Um, I hope the trade has the back matter, Gene's story he told in, in the back of the three issues uh, about his, his parents and, of course, his um, his attraction to Superman. But the story ends um, as... As it should, it ends on 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 a happy note. Um, the uh, people realize, oh, kids realize that uh, they were kind of on the wrong side of history. Uh, the grownups, not so much. They were set in their ways. We uh, we find out that the um, the the Grand Dragon of the Fiery Cross, um, or the they didn't. They didn't actually use dragons. It was the one was a scorpion. Um, but we uh, 
they're kind of only into it for um for the money they they uh when when we find out who the um the grand imperial mogul of the fiery cross is um when the grand scorpion who happens to be tommy was introduced in the first issue tommy is the um the white kid in the story and the Lees are transplants to Metropolis. Uh, of course, they're Asian, so they're looked down upon. Um, Tommy's uncle is the Grand Scorpion and and is racist. And um, when the Scorpion confronts the Mogul about, oh, you know, I need... Um, I need more men because we have a way to take out Superman. And um, the mogul is like, what are you doing attracting Superman and the police? Like if you, you're really buying all this bullshit we're spewing, like as far as, you know, this one nation, one color, one, it, it, it's like, that's not, he's like, I'm, I'm in this for the money. Like I, I'm paying for the due. you know, people pay for their dues. They pay for their robes. I get a kick from that. You know, like I'm, I just, I'm looking to be financially set. I, I I can't help it if people actually believe this bullshit, but I just, I'm trying to get paid and you're bringing, you're believing it. And, and it's, it's fucking up my flow. Um, so Tommy's uncle doesn't vibe with that. And, um, and ends up taking the weapons that, uh, with that green rock that is able to, um, weaken Superman. But this is, this is Superman before, uh, this is like Superman 1936. It's just before he can, he's still leaping tall buildings and, and outrunning locomotives. He doesn't, he, he's not, he's, he seems to be holding himself back from wanting to fly. He's, he's trying to fit in. He wants to, he's, he realizes, you know, they call him Superman and, but he's still, he's trying to pass himself off as, as a human. He doesn't want to be seen as an alien. He doesn't want to be, he doesn't want to be better than anybody else. So he's, he's purposely, um, restraining himself. And, and, uh, and Roberta Lee notices that. And, and, and she asked him about it and, um, he doesn't really know how to respond and, and, uh, reacts to that kind of poorly in my opinion, but he, um, he he takes off and while all this is going on he's visited by visions of um of of two aliens um two green-skinned aliens who eventually look more like him end up with his his complexion uh we find out that they're his parents and um at, at, at the end of the day, it, it's we we you know he Superman Clark Kent Cal is is you know is, is is loved by both sets of parents and um, is just trying to do the right thing and and uh, when he does actually show up flying and and using his heat vision, some of the people in the crowd um, are taken aback and and um, aren't real keen on his abilities and, and view him as, as an alien and a demon. Um, but that's, that's quickly squashed, but it was, it, it was, it, it was a very, um, a very entertaining story. I, 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 I enjoyed it 
quite a bit. I, I kind of knew what was what it was going to be going in, so no major surprises. I really, really like the art, um, and I can appreciate uh, Yang's approach because this this was something that uh, is personal to him, and and it was it was basically an adaptation of an old Superman radio serial and um, modified a bit here and there, but um, kind of timely considering uh but yeah i um you know so it's not it's not something that fits in the current superman it's just another superman story just like any other elseworld story but um i i think it uh you know as far as a beginning middle and end got the point across um characters that were brought to life in this story uh fleshed out really um help move the story along a uh, lois and uh, it was more of a jimmy story than a lois that lois was in it a little bit but she wasn't um the hard-nosed in your face um star of the show the way um she can be in in other stories it was it, it, the connection was mostly jimmy um but the lees were really easy to to root for and um and and no, you felt for when they uh, when they were bullied or mocked, and and um, and you know respect to Yang for telling the story. So yeah, I, I uh, when if you didn't get the three issues, then uh, check out the trade if you can. Right on. Uh, as it happens, Dap, I have a. I have a book by uh, Gene to discuss next episode. Mm. And did you see, did you happen to see he has a book in the uh, Marvel previews this, this for April? I did. Yes. Nice. All right. We're going to give him all the love this week. Um, but that is not my inner travels because uh, I didn't have time to do notes on it yet. So um, minor travels is by an author who, I don't know, uh, she's still trying to make her way in this business. So you might not have heard of her. Uh, she's no. Uh, her name is Raina Telgemeier. So uh, yeah, I know it's, it's she's a, a newcomer. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but no, this is. Um, I know some time ago, Dap and I were talking about uh, Raina and how you know we ha- collectively the three of us haven't hadn't at the time read much of her work, even though uh, in terms of American comic creator, she's right up there with Kirkman in terms of commercial success over the life of our show. Um, but but obviously there's reason for us not to have been grokking on a lot of her stuff because it's not really written for us. I mean, most of her success comes out of the direct market in the, in, in the book market, in the library market, and and most of her stuff is for young adults. Um, but that being said, I, I am fascinated by uh, her success uh, because it is so rare. You know, you've got your Jeff Smiths, you've got your Kirkmans. It's so rare to have a comic creator break into the mainstream at such a massive level where they're making millions of dollars a year. Um, you know, in an in industry where most people are just trying to make ends meet, uh, pay their bills. Um, so I ordered a bunch of her books, uh, not too long ago to finally, uh, correct the error of my ways. Uh, and the first one that I read was, uh, ghosts, which came out in 2016, written and drawn yes. by. That's did you? Re- hmm? I, I I have ghosts and I have um, drama right next to me. Okay. Did you read Ghosts yet? Not yet, but please. Okay. 
No, no, okay. Um, it's, it's fairly straightforward. I mean, this is written. It's a young adult book, right? It's it, this is not a this is the antithesis of say East of West. It is not a complex story. It's it's very much what it what it is, uh, and it's a it's a it's a beautiful story. It's it's a story of a family um, that is relocating from Southern California to Northern California, uh, moving to a coastal city. I believe it's a fictitious city called Bahia de la Luna. Um, and the main reason for the move is that, uh, um, their dad got a new job, but he got a new job in this area because they wanted to go to a place that would environmentally be much more suitable to, um, their youngest daughter, Maya's, uh, health. She has cystic fibrosis. So the, the book is narrated by Kat, Katarina, uh, the older sister. Uh, and it's a, it's a four person family. It's Kat and Maya and her mom and dad. And, uh, as I said, they, uh, we pick up with them packing up and getting ready to move and moving to their new home. Um, and it's, uh, it's told through the eyes of Kat, who is, uh, a good kid. She, she is understandably frustrated, uh, and sad to be uprooting, um, in her middle age years, right. And leaving her friends and her, all of her comforts and her home. And, um, so she's not happy about the move, but on the other hand, she totally loves her sister and, and understands why they're doing it. And so she doesn't, she's not a petulant child. It's just a pain in the ass about the whole thing. She's, she's, she's uh, conflicted. She, she, she on a selfish level is unhappy, um, but she totally understands that it's for the best for her sister. And so she does give it her all to try and acclimate. So they move to the town and, um, she meets Cat. Cat and Maya meet uh, one of Cat's classmates uh, named Carlos, and he happens to make uh, some side scratch by giving ghost tours because this town is uh, infamous for its uh, ghost lore. Local lore of of ghosts uh, has has always pervaded the town, and as it turns out, um, the ghosts are real, and so. Maya, even though she's got cystic fibrosis, is incredibly impish and adventurous, and they start having adventures in and around and with the ghosts. And um, given her condition, uh, that might be a problem, right? Because cystic fibrosis, you have, I don't know, for those that don't know, it's a its a chronic condition. There's no cure for it. It's uh, its lethal. Uh, and it, it basically means your lungs aren't quite working right. They have a uh, continuous buildup of mucus in the lungs, uh, making it hard for you to breathe and, and hurting your immune system. So it's, it's, a, it's a tough, it's a tough road. It really is. You have to be on oxygen and, and limit your physical activity and that sort of thing. Um, but in spite of her condition, she's a, a kid full of love and joy and, and she really does have joie de vivre. So it's uh yeah, it's, this is basically a, a look into a few weeks of, of their time in this new town with these ghosts and, uh, and there's a very heartwarming, um, arc to this that involves Maya and her health and, uh, her connection to ghosts and why that may be a good thing down the road. But, uh, but I'll leave all that, uh, for y'all to read yourselves. But, but, uh, you know, in terms of my first foray into Raina, uh, yeah, I totally get it. She, her, first of all, her cartoon style is, uh, very evocative of a Sunday morning cartoon, um, simple, clean lines, expressive faces, uh, you know, t- tells the, t- tells the story, um, cartoony, but, but not, this isn't, I don't think vi- this isn't a book where you're visually just going to be blown away. Um, that's not really what this is about. It's much more about the story and the heart of the characters. Uh, and, uh, the book had a ton of heart. It got me a little verklempt toward the end. And, uh, I, yeah, I, I, I 
if if this is indicative of the typical quality of her work, I I get it. I understand why she's a smash success, particularly for young readers. I um, our our good friends, you've heard me mention them. The Kennedys are really our best friends in, in terms of families, and they have three kids as well, and, and they're all about our kids' age, and uh, and and they their kids are voracious readers, unlike my damn kids, um, and. Uh, and and the two oldest both have read pretty much all of Raina's work, and one is a uh, one is a six year old girl, one is a thirteen year old boy, and they both love her work. And uh, I can see why. I can see why this is definitely the kind of thing that I think would resonate with uh, with with kids of a certain age today. So for all of you out there that are looking for all ages books or books that you can read and and share with your kids, this is absolutely at the top of the hat. Uh, Top of the stack, but obviously I'm probably not telling you anything you don't already know since this was a a, a wildly successful New York Times bestseller back uh, four years ago when it came out. So, Ghosts by Raina Telgemeier. Nice. Neat. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here with us. If you would like more of all this kind of stuff, not in your ears, but for your eyes, go to Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, and Facebook. Uh, we're there more often than not, and uh, be good to yourselves. Keep yourself safe, and in the meantime, say good night. I'm just gonna drink while you're waiting. David, good night. Should I drink? I probably shouldn't, because I won't. David. Very nice. I try. All right. We are out of here. Take them out, gentlemen. Peace out. Lady, y'all. We'll Talk see you, you in a few soon. more days. Yeah. You're getting more than one of these this week. Maybe right. maybe more than two of these this week. Oh, man. Nice. Dare to dream. Wow. Hey, you never know. Well, what else do we'll we have, have to do? Well, <laughs> work. We'll have the, um, and that's to answer one of the other questions that we had. What, what, what are we doing aside from reading comics and binging on movies and TV? Um, some of us are still working, but we, um, we will have the book of the month up soon. And, um, I don't know if it's, if it, 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 is it a solo pick month for April? It I don't think, yeah, but I don't think it's on the books to be a solo pick month. No. Right. No, we, we, can I mean, we all do one? It, we each do one throughout the year, so if, if someone wants to take it for April, be my guest. Huh. Interesting. Have we all done one? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. We all did one okay. last year. I could throw something my, together. My in September. I could do something if you want. Okay. Nice. All right, so we'll, 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 we'll discuss it, and we'll have it up for uh, the beginning of April. Or the, the first weekend in April. Yep, and uh, we'll still have previews videos for you patrons that... Uh, Yes. Even though yes. we're not sure when we'll get the comics. But, Dude, did uh, you, hey, hey, did you see the... There's previews for me to talk about, I'm going to talk about it. You see the DC yep. news? Oh, yeah. Maybe we yeah, maybe we could do a little bonus, end of the bonus content. Yeah. yeah they um, Double take. Oops. No, we're not. Wait, what? They did a double take. They're not going to uh, sell the digital issues. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. 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 Oh, they changed their mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you're. Oh, that is breaking news. Then, it's yeah. Pretty so significant. Talking about what's that? It's pretty significant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to, to people that you know, this is I guess a carry on from last week when we were talking about the diamond news. Um, 
one of the oh, big that, questions. Uh, yeah, what? DC Comics pulls digital comics from Wednesday, including Batman number ninety-two. Right. Okay. So, so what you're saying is, is that the the we were speculating as to whether or not uh, Diamond not shipping comics was good or bad for the stores, and we said generally bad, but could be good right now because they don't have any money to buy new comics. Um, but then we said the big question would be if the big guys, Marvel, DC, and to a lesser extent, Image, decided to put their stuff out digitally anyway, which would really potentially screw the print direct market. And I guess it looks like – I was just about to say that DC opted to do so, but it looks like they changed their minds based on feedback. Now, Marvel, I think, is still planning to do so, right? Not sure. Wasn't really paying attention to the Marvel side of the equation. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Yeah. But is that a good thing? I mean, obviously it's it's a good thing for shops because they would have a certain percentage of the people that would say, okay, I guess I'm going to buy this digitally. It's the only way I can get it and then never buy it physically. Right. So it's good for, for shops, but you know, it's not so good for DC, but I think DC has a much larger cushion than comic shops. So I think this was the right road to take just yeah well exactly yeah that's i think that's i think if they if they care about the direct market i think this was the right move yeah so so i.e marvel doesn't care about the direct market well we don't know i don't i'm i i don't know if i honestly don't know if marvel uh so let's see i'm looking right now they will yes they will Mm. not a good look Maybe they're maybe will uh, they'll turn before Wednesday and say you know what we won't wait. It actually it says it's not been decided ah. because Doctor Afra number one was supposed to come out this coming week and it is not going to be available on Comicsology. But Marvel hasn't made an official statement about their plans beyond this week, so they're probably still deciding as well. Yeah, but I do think they should still bankroll the books. They are well. They Marvel and DC. I know for a fact uh, already because I think we even mentioned that last week. They they made it very clear that it's business as usual for them on a production level. Good. They're all the creators are still getting paid. Their books are going according to plan, and they'll just they're just going to catalog them and until they're ready to put them out. So, didn't somebody suggest a company crossover in order to? There was there was a rumor about. There was that. a Twitter thing. I don't know if it was Donny Cates that started it, but I know he was. I don't again. I I'm not can't say for sure he was the creator who started the conversation, but some creator threw out the idea of, hey, since we're stuck at home, COVID and all this stuff, like let's do a awesome Marvel DC crossover, and that just spurred a lot of creators throwing their hats into the ring about what they would love to do, which characters they would love to cross over, that sort of thing. Well, it's a neat idea. It's funny you bring that up because that actually was another question that um, that uh, we got tonight from Hassan. Uh, he just said, given that news of all this talk about crossovers, what do we think of crossovers? And I don't think he was just speaking about Marvel DC, but just crossovers among titles as well. Are we fans, not fans, indifferent, that type of thing? And I think it's catch as catch can. I mean, I, I to me, it's all about the individual crossover and does it make sense? Right. Yes. Yeah. I, was- I, I love them. I mean, I, I love I love the intercompany. I love, I love Marvel and DC crossovers. Um, I'm not... I'm not a big fan of crossovers for 
cash grabs. I, I for you know, I yeah, it's like a, a difference between an event and a crossover, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if if yeah. I I like Legends and I I I bought all the tie-ins for that, and I um yeah I I bought, bought all the tie-ins for for the gods, but yeah, there are. But as far as when I think of crossovers, I don't necessarily think of of um, of Justice Society crossing over with Justice League. I for me, a crossover is is when um, is it is Superman and Aliens or Superman and Spider Man. That's I think of company crossovers more, and I think of I don't think of just one book crossing over into another one to tell a story. I just when I hear crossover, I think of the companies and and those I enjoy. Mm-hmm. I like seeing them because you never know. Because I, it's they, you, they're, you know, Spidey could be swinging around Manhattan and and bumps into Captain America anytime in, in their own issues or in someone else's yeah. issue. But but to have, you know, Krona be involved in bringing the Justice League and the Avengers together. I mean, that's that that's some big mm-hmm. doings. That's some heavy shit, and that's that's I, the for, kind of shit I eat up. Yeah, for me, it's just it's case by case. Because I mean, I you know. I've loved, and these are neither of these are titles that are particularly uh, nostalgic for. Like y'all are, I, I, I've been loving the Turtles Power Rangers crossover, uh, which has been dope. But that first issue of Transformers Terminator was trash. So, like, it just depends. But I will always, I'll give them mostly. I generally would give give crossovers a try. Right. I'm always intrigued by them, but they got to execute to keep me. I dislike them as a rule. Um, really? I, intra-company crossovers, I dislike pretty much blanket. Because da- I had a laugh when Dap said, unless it's a cash grab. They're all cash grabs. Well, yeah. All, but yeah, I mean, all but crossover. But it's, What's the purpose of a crossover but to increase the circulation on a book that's true. not selling? That's true. Right? It is a commercial. Yeah, yeah they're all commercial. Well, yeah, that's... but but. Yes, a book that's not selling. Yeah, so we want to we we, we want to we're going to bring Wolverine into an issue because you know we want to we want to boost sales. Yeah, that's fine. So you want to help out Dark Hawk. Okay, great. But but there was no there was no Justice League and Avengers book before. No, that miniseries. That's so, what I was going to say. Yes, that's in, a cash grab, but it was unique. Interesting. Well, intra company. I dis- oh, yes. I despise. No, yeah. Extra comp like who doesn't love to see Lobo mixed with Howard the Duck? Like that's just right. fun. Right, yes. so the 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 clash of the companies, I enjoy those. Like Spider Man, Super yes. Superman, Spider Man is one of my favorite books of all time. It was an anomaly. It was awesome back then. This giant first book. one or second one? The first one. That in my mind, there's really no second one. I know there really isn't. Yeah, but I love you, Shima, but Yeah, but come on, that first one is just awesome on every page. It really is. But yeah, I just I don't like. Seeing behind the curtain, and oh, Punisher's going to cross over with Amazing Spider-Man next week, and then it's going to go into Daredevil. Seriously, bullshit. Just well, tell it in Spider-Man. But don't I still think it's case by case though? Because you you loved yeah. Batman Turtles. Again, those are two different That's things that we would never see together, or we wouldn't normally see together. Mm-hmm. That's different. Right. I don't like seeing. Uh, you know, Batman goes into Robin, goes into Nightwing, goes into Attica. Catwoman. Like, kill me. That's just—it's the story cannot possibly be that big. This is really well timed because in the previews this month is 
an X-Men crossover. I know. And I'm just totally deflated, dude. I'm so oh, but did you, did you, did, did uh, so did, um, obviously then, then, then you looked at the, um, the Marvel previews. Vince, did you see it yet? The Marvel previews? Yeah. Did you see, did, did you see the Marvel's version of Bloodlines? With the annuals? It's, 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 yeah. each, it's every character versus someone like new. I'm like, are you serious? Like, they didn't. Welcome to 1996. <laughs> Well, it's like Acts of Vengeance too. That's how that was the same thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that was yeah, Acts of Evil. That was, and and I wanted to read some of those. And and the, um, but yeah, so we we they regurgitated their own Civil War with with Outlawed, and now we're just going to borrow from. Yeah, remember Identity Disc? Yes. <sighs> yeah, unfortunately. Yes. Yeah, I know. Honestly, oh, because of Identity Christ. Are you yep. serious? Oh, Which, by the way, was a good detective story. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm paging through the Marvel previews for this month. I'm like, nope, 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 nope. There's nothing in there to not even the, the collected editions attract yeah, me. I've got like four Omnibus in mine. Of course, oh, you I do. disagree. <sighs> All right, everybody. This time for real, we are out of here. Say your piece, gentlemen. We are done. We are done. Stick a fork in. See you in three days. Yes, sir. and then two after that. Bye. <laughs> Coming at you every other day. <laughs> <laughs>